Well, our Lord is the one who reigns. And we praise him for that. And it's one of those things where as we even gather, we think about that, how, how the Lord reigns. And, uh, and we find accounts in the, in the Gospels and we look in the Bible and we realize the way he reigns and the way he does what he does to rescue people is beyond our ability sometimes to grasp. Uh, we get stretched in our thinking. Sometimes we even get shocked by how Jesus deals with, with different people. Uh, especially when we talk about Jesus' ministry of healing and how he dealt with the sick. And, uh, and I don't know, I've, I was thinking about it this week. You know, you, you know how much you care about someone or love them by how you interact with them when they are in fact sick. You notice that? So picture yourself. Uh, you've just gone, let's say, to the doctors. And you're, you're sitting there in the waiting room. And you're waiting for your appointment. And the thing that might surprise you is that at the doctors, oftentimes, there are sick people there. Have you noticed that? And when you're sitting there uh, and waiting for your appointment, all of a sudden, from behind you, there's a three-year-old child standing on the seat with mom and dad. And they look at you, and they go, <coughs> in your face. Right? What, what is your response to that? Right? I'm just kind of like going, ah, you know, I'm in the— I, I want to get away. I want to, right? So I, I'm not related to this person. I'm not, you know, however, you look at the parent. What, what are they like with that child? Oh, honey, I, sorry. You know, they sit, they're, they're tending to them. They're caring for the kid. Why? Because you're related differently. How often have you been on an airplane before? Especially in recent years. There was, was there a pandemic or something? I don't know. There's something that happened. And people were wild about germs. Right? But you, you, there you are. You are confined in this little metal tube for hours, breathing recycled air with a bunch of people you don't know. And, and what, what is, you know, the, the posture toward that? It's very much, you know, you're just like, kind of like in your own zone. People have their wipes. They're wiping down every surface they can see. They're wearing masks. They're not. But again, if you're caring for one of your family members and they're sick, what do you do? You hold their hand, Right? You're there with them. You don't, you, don't, it doesn't even, you don't even really care what they have because you love them. And when we look at how the Lord Jesus interacts with people who are ill, who are sick, one thing we see very clearly is his compassion toward those who, who, who need his healing touch, his grace. And we certainly find that today in the Gospel of Luke and we're, we find ourselves in chapter 5, looking at verses 12 to 16. So go ahead and open to chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. It's on, it's on page 48 in the Bibles on the chair rack in front of you. In the New Testament, which would be toward the end of the, of the book. And uh, let's, in honor of God's word, would you stand and follow along as I read? Luke 5, beginning with verse 12. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. 
And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would take your word and that you would cause us as your people to grow, that we would see you more clearly, that we would uh, understand the way you rescue, the way you work, and how it's so different from us and how we approach things. The way you bring about salvation, the way you display who you are as the almighty creator, savior, and redeemer. So we pray that we would see you in such a way that we would be changed even this day and that we would live differently in light of who you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name, the King. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. It's, it's difficult to uh, bring forward to us how shocking this account would be to the original hearers, especially to those who were there witnessing this work that Jesus does. Uh, in healing the leper. But, but he's doing so for a reason. And, and Luke is putting it here for us in this way at this time for a reason because he's showing the way Jesus is coming about and, and, and is removing the curse. He's actually working in these ways to reverse the curse, the curse of sin and death. And he, he's, he's flipping that around by his power and grace and pointing to, to who he is as the Messiah, as the King as the one who comes to redeem. And so in light of that, really we find in this passage that, that Jesus shows his, his superiority by surprising rescue. Um, you know what? I'm sorry, this is the wrong one. This is from last week. Yeah. Are you all reading the wrong passage? Like, what is he talking about? Yeah. It's okay. You'll, it, it's, there on, it, it's, it's called cleansing and healing. Sorry, Isaiah. It's right there. Cleansing and healing. It's on the... The desktop itself, I think we put it to the lower left. So whenever you get there, it's fine. Anyway, so Jesus shows his, his by the way, it's my fault, folks. I want you to know that. That's me getting it to him in a way that was really fast. So I apologize for that. So thank you, Isaiah. Sorry. Uh, Jesus shows his superiority by surprising rescue. And he does that in several ways. The first way is this. Jesus does it because Jesus touches the untouchable. Jesus touches the un... Thank you. Jesus... That was good, dude. Hey. That's Isaiah. That's a rock star at the computer right there. That's what that is. So thank you. So Jesus, Jesus touches the untouchable. I mean, if you think about what leprosy is, it's, it's, a, it's an infectious disease. Um, it, it affects the skin. It affects the nerve endings. And, and it's... Um, in that time especially, uh, it, it was not only kind of difficult to deal with, but when people did have to deal with that, um, it was really a, 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 almost a, a sentence of isolation and, and death to the person who ha had leprosy. And um, 
there's, there's a, the, the word can mean several different skin diseases, so we're not exactly sure which one. It might be what we would call ringworm or, 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 or a scalp condition, but, but leprosy proper is certainly what it could have been as well, and, and that would be something where the, the skin is just coming off the person's body, and it's very contagious, very contagious. And so people dreaded this disease because if they got it, it meant um, that their whole life essentially was, was over as they knew it. And uh, Leviticus 13 describes this um, when, it, when, it, when it says this, the leprous person who has this disease will wear torn clothes and let the hair of their head hang loose and they shall cover their upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so you think about it, the, the, the social consequences for, for being a leper was probably worse than the, the disease itself. I mean, could you put yourself in that, in that place? Your, your, your health is, is, is gone. Certainly whatever your occupation was, that's gone. Your, your social interactions are gone. That means your family. They, they, they would probably bring you food at a distance, but touching them, feeling a hug, interacting with them, seeing your children's life as, as they develop and grow. Uh, there, there was a way in which uh, you know, this, this would take away fellowship, it would take away community, and these people were ostracized. And then the way you had to, you were humiliated. If you were in public, the idea of, of covering your upper lip, it's really, it's almost like you're trying to make sure your breath doesn't touch anybody. And so you're walking around, you're deliberately dressed in rags and unkept hair because you want to stand out. Culturally, they were saying, you need to make sure you stand out so you don't contaminate somebody else. And so you're walking through the streets and, and you're just saying out loud, unclean, as loud as you can, walking like this. As, as again, your body is, there's this self-rotting disease. And, and so, for someone that has this, I mean, I, I don't know if we can really, uh, really grasp it. Um, but we need to try. Uh, ancient uh, historians would, would cite the different ways that uh, the culture at that time would deal with leprosy. Uh, Josephus speaks of, of the banishment of lepers as, uh, and he, this is a quote, in no way differing from a corpse. And, uh, and then for, for, for uh, other times in the Old Testament, the difficulty of healing leprosy was considered on the same level as raising the dead. So there really was a death of sorts associated with leprosy. And so when Jesus comes, <laughs> wow. Wow. Things happen. Because lepers are required to stand at a distance. Uh, they would say in that culture, 50 paces would be necessary in order to keep a society healthy. And so there were different regulations and laws written. Um, if, if a leper was standing under a tree, that was polluted for anybody else who would pass under it. That's how far people had to stay away from them. And so even the approach of this man, if you look at the, the passage, so there Jesus is, and this one, this one is, doesn't just have leprosy. Notice he's covered with leprosy. The idea there is he's full of leprosy, though. So his case in particular is, is, is really bad. 
and, and he approaches Jesus. So that is brave. That's a courage. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go near him. You've been ostracized and cast out. Can you put, your, put yourself in his position? But there's, there's Jesus. I'm, I'm going to draw near to him. And by the way, by drawing near to him, he's now compromising Jesus' uh, ritual cleanliness in that moment. And so he's breaking social custom. He's breaking regulations of the law. And yet, that doesn't stop him. He draws near. Why? Because he hoped something with Jesus would happen. Something different. We also find that, that, that uh, he asks for a specific thing. Notice, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Um, other words have been used in previous sections of Luke to describe Jesus' healing ministry. We would translate the words heal. But this is very specific. This is, I'm unclean. That's what he shouts out at the top of his lungs. I'm unclean. Lord, make me clean. There's Old Testament examples of, of Naaman, for example. The, the, the Syrian general who came to be cleansed. Why? Because leprosy is, a, you're polluted. You're, you're not clean. You are unclean with this disease. And so there's an entire backstory. So you can see why he would ask for, for cleansing. That, that makes sense. And so Jesus responds to him. And, and even in the statement, if you're willing, he already knows that. It's not a matter of your power, Lord. I know you can. The question isn't whether you can or can't. The question is, do you want to? Do you will it? Because if you do will it, I know I will be cleansed. And so Jesus does some things that are, that are shocking. Certainly he, he, he says to him, I am willing. But physically, what does he do? He stretches out his hand. And you can see how the narrative kind of unfolds here. It's like one thing after another. So he doesn't just touch him. He's like reaching out, stretching out his hand to touch him. Maybe, maybe the, the leper is kind of staying back a bit. But if you're there in the crowd, you're like, what is he doing? The one thing you would never, ever, 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 ever do is touch a leper. Because that infects you. But in Jesus' compassion, he says, I am willing. Uh, we find it in the Gospel of Mark that compassion is described even more. He describes Jesus' heart as overflowing with compassion for this man. tenderness, mercy. And so again, if you're an average person on the street, you're shocked. He's reaching out and you're almost like the moment he touches him, you're just kind of going, no, don't, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And yet he does. He touches the untouchable. I think we should ask ourselves the question sometimes. I think in our, we live in a very sanitized society. And even within the church, we're very sanitized people, right? I don't know. Are we willing to touch the untouchable? Will we do that? You know, we have this term, comfort zone. We have that phrase, will you step out of your comfort zone? And have you noticed, I don't have to explain that to you at all because you know exactly what I mean. 
Will we get out and about into messy situations to be a beacon for Christ? And, and let's face it, in our lives today, we don't have to look far. You don't have to look around. You, there are people that God has placed in all of our lives. There are neighbors, family members, friends, coworkers, fellow students, whoever they are, they're already there. I think a lot of times we're just kind of like, nah, I don't want to get involved. We pull back. It could get messy. But don't you just love that Jesus specialized in getting into the mess and in touching the untouchable? We need to be that way if we're going to follow him. Here's another thing that you got to love about this. Maybe you're here today and you're, like, and, you're, and you're thinking to yourself, I can't come to Jesus because my life is too messed up. What does this passage show us? Jesus is not waiting for you to clean up your life to come to him. He's saying, come to me now, mess and all. The gospel is not some sort of moral cleanup program. The gospel is that Jesus comes to save messed up sinners like us. So if you're here today and you're thinking that, well, he could never forgive me, he could never cleanse me, he could, please know that's a lie. And he's saying, come to me now, come to me today, exactly as you are. So Jesus touches the leper. Jesus touches a man covered with leprosy. Wow. But not only that, yes, Jesus touches the untouchable, but we also see that Jesus cleanses the unclean. So rather than being infected, rather than what would typically happen when you touch a leper, and like, well, now you're unclean. Now, now you've become that. You're, you're tainted. You're brought into that. Now you've got to be isolated from people. Instead of that, the moment Jesus touches him, his greatness, his power, his holy, sovereign way, his omnipotence, and his grace cleanses the man instantly, fully, completely. Whoa. God heals. And by the way, people ask that, does God heal today? Absolutely he heals today. Yes, we, 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 as a church family, we've had times here where we have seen God work miraculously to heal, to bring about physical recovery that has no natural explanation. Praise God for that. In the Old Testament, back to that Naaman example, you'll remember that, that Elijah, what did he have him do? He said, go, go wash in the river and you'll be cleansed. And of course, Naaman was mad. He's like, wait a minute. I thought the prophet was going to come out. I thought he was going to say some sort of incantation. Like a, he was expecting something different. He was disappointed. He was mad. And then eventually he's like, okay, I'll go do it. Jesus doesn't use any intermediary anything. He just says, I'm willing, be cleansed, 
Boom, done. Now, sadly today, there's also a lot of people claiming to be healing people, and they, they are, in fact, charlatans. They're, they're, they're quasi, uh, you know, truth slash lie kind of people. And so oftentimes you'll see that, well, it was partial healing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't right. It, well, look, when, when God heals, it's done, and it's full. It's complete. Jesus cleanses the unclean. And uh, when we see that, we understand that when the Lord brings about a cleansing and a healing, it's full. But Jesus doesn't just leave it to hearsay. Notice what he, what he goes on to, to command in verse 14. He orders him, first of all, tell no one. And you're going, wait, hold on. Why would you do that? He's an itinerant preacher. What itinerant preachers need to do and often want to do is to build up a crowd. Most people would not do that. But Jesus has gone, no, don't tell anybody. <laughs> what? Now, part of it was there were a lot of people who had different aspirations for Jesus. Part of it was that crowds were building. Uh, part of it was that people wanted, there was a kind of a nationalistic impulse. Jesus is here. He's going to take out Rome. Let's make that happen. So there were a lot of different things that were being managed by the Lord in that statement. The Mark account would tell us that the guy who was healed, he could not keep it to himself and actually spread the word and it just like wildfire. But Jesus is also saying, you need to go to the priest to, to follow the law of Moses. And there's a reason, and it's this. Uh, the priest's job was to inspect skin conditions. I'm, I'm really glad that those things are not one for one for pastors. Woo. And for those of you here who are doctors, we are thankful for you. Thank you for what you do. You know, what'd you do today? Well, I had to, you know, meet with some people, do some counseling, had some skin stuff to, I don't do that. Uh, but that's, that was your job. So you were inspecting and, and, and looking at that. And then a part of it was, uh, you know, it, it, dealing with not only that, but the way it, infect, it, it uh, infected the environment around people, sometimes homes and other things. Uh, had to be inspected as well. So, so the priest was kind of like a health inspector. And, and so in ancient times, when the priest was satisfied that this condition was in fact cleared, uh, there would be a sacrifice offered, but it was also for the community to know. Remember, this person's been walking around covering their face saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. If they show up at your door and go, hey, I've been healed, you're going to be like, whoa, are you sure? Like, let's, let's be certain about this. And so the priest would kind of certify, and it would take about a week they would certify, yes, in fact, this person has been healed or the leprosy has left them. So when Jesus does this, in some ways, he's, he's protecting the healed man. He's saying, hey, go to the priest and, and make sure you fulfill the law of Moses in this so that everyone can, in fact, know you are healed and you can, in fact, re-engage with the community and the life that God's given you. But he also wanted to make sure that the community knew, and he also wanted to make sure that the law was being fulfilled. Again, Jesus would teach also, I did not come to uh, violate the law or abandon the law. I have come to fulfill it. And so it's very, very clearly consistent of him to say, yes, carry out what the law would teach regarding your cleansing. And so um, there, is a, there is a way in which news spreads and Jesus is, is, is brought to that point of, of having to, 
to deal with those larger crowds. Um, but as Jesus cleanses the unclean, we got to look at this for ourselves and understand something. If we're looking at this story very clearly, the leper is us. We are the leper. We are the ones who are unclean before God. That's all of us. Uh, and when we see ourselves, when we, when we see our sin, this is meant to teach us that when you come to Jesus for cleansing, he's the one who cleanses you. I love uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Uh, go ahead, if you've got your Bibles, or you can open to that, turn to that. Uh, Paul is, is teaching the Corinthian church about what, what it means to, to follow Jesus and, and how Jesus has rescued so many from so many different places. And, uh, and he says here, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's, he's laying out this, this list of different ways that people deny God, turn away from God, rebel against God. But then he says this, and such were some of you. And then he goes on to say, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You were cleansed, he's saying. Washed, that refers to the, 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 the way in which the there's a spiritual cleansing of guilt that comes about when you come to Jesus. You bring all that with you to him, and he washes you clean. You're sanctified. That, that has the idea of being set apart from. So you're taken out of that realm of sin, and you're placed into a new place, a new realm, whereby you're standing before God, and you are set apart for him. There's also this, an ongoing idea of sanctification where you're becoming more and more like him. And then you're justified. The idea being that God declares you just or righteous. And so the cleansing that's being described here points to us as being those who are unclean. We are the ones who need that cleansing and Jesus is the one who brings that cleansing. But for cleansing to be Appreciate it. it has to be effective. It has to work, right? Uh, there was a, a time not long ago, a few months back, um, my daughter Grace was, uh, well, she was driving her car, which is good. By the way, she's a really good driver. That's also good. But uh, she found herself pulling into school with some friends. And, uh, and in the school parking lot, the friends decided to pull a funny. And what was the funny that they pulled? They took paintballs and threw them at her car. You know? Bam, 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 bam. Wasn't that funny at the time? She was a good sport. The game went on. Uh, there, were, there, were, there were plans for reprisals and revenge. I won't get into all that. All I can tell you is that as a dad, my daughter pulls into the house. It's like, you know, maybe 8.30 at night. And there's a bunch of paint on her car. And I'm like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> you know? So, all right. Let's get this stuff off the car, shall we? So we started looking for car washes. Uh, you ever try to look for a car wash at 8.30 at night on a Saturday? <laughs> yeah. 
It's not going to go. And Google, but this might shock you. Sometimes Google is wrong. Have you noticed that? So weird. Like times. I'm like, no, this place is open. It's not open. It just wanted me to take a drive there. Finally, we get to the spot that's still open. It's one of those self-wash places, you know? And we're like, yes! And we pull in, and we get out, and I'm like, all right, let's pay for this thing. Let's, let's, what? Quarters only. Like, what is this, 1982? Like, what, what is going on? So as it ended up, we just ended up going back to the house, and we just... Scrubbed it down real fast ourselves. Uh, not effective. Not, if it's not open, it's not effective. There's plenty of people who promise cleansing in various ways. It doesn't work. How many of those infomercials are out there, you know? This will clean anything. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> but here we find the cleansing that Jesus gives is full. It's complete. You are washed in him. You come. You are Dirty sin has covered you in the same way this, this leper was covered. The, the, you are saturated by it, but Jesus washes you so that the guilt and, and the sin is taken away completely. You're sanctified. You're put in a new place. You're now set apart for God. And you're in that path of, of ongoing growth in him. You're justified. He declares you righteous. And, and you know what? When God declares someone righteous, they are. God's the offended party. He decides how and where and what it means to be made right with him. And he's decided that it is through his son, Jesus, his death on the cross in the place of sinners. When received by faith, his righteousness is attributed to them. And so there is cleansing. So Jesus is the one who touches the untouchable, Jesus is the one who, who, who cleanses the unclean. And lastly, Jesus also is the one who seeks the unshakable by prayer. This is not a shocking thing. This news about him spreads. Large crowds are gathering. Look at verse 15. They're gathering to hear him. They're gathering to be healed of their sicknesses. They're coming to hear the message. They're coming to receive healing. And Jesus starts to build the brand, embarks on an ad campaign, you know, starts uh, uh, whatever, you know. No, he doesn't. What does Jesus do? Jesus himself, you got to love that. That's emphatic in the text there. So Jesus himself, what did he do? He would slip away to the wilderness to pray. Jesus would not just slip away. He would slip away often. The way, the, the way this is unfolded here, it's, it was his practice to slip away and pray. What do we find here? We find that Jesus, he needs rest. He needs refreshment. Remember, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. But how is he refreshed? How, how does he accomplish that? He gets away to be by himself in the wilderness. By the way, he goes to the wilderness, the very place he was tempted by the devil. The place that he was for 40 days and 40 nights. He goes there to be with God again. And he gives himself to what? To prayer. Jesus prays. 
And, and that's a significant lesson for us. If the Lord Jesus himself, the King of Kings, the Messiah, if he went off to spend time in prayer, how much more do you and I need to? And there's a contrast in this passage, too, that we don't want to miss. You've got the crowds gathering for him, and you've got him stealing away to be alone with God. Contrast. So you've got the praise of the crowds or the nearness of God. What does Jesus go for? What's his focus? And I think for us, we need to ask a question. Do I crave the nearness of God more than I crave the esteem of people? What do we really want? And one way we can tell is the quality of our prayer life. And notice, I did not say the frequency. I didn't say how much you prayed. No, I said the quality. In other words, do we spend time alone with our Heavenly Father in prayer? Do we do that? Or maybe a better question, do we eagerly spend time alone with our Heavenly Father in prayer? Do we long to? Jesus needs rest. What does he do? He goes to be with God in prayer. There's refreshment there. There's sustaining grace. There's, there's strengthening. There's intimacy with God. There's probably a lot of reasons why we don't pray. I think part of it is we're so hectic and busy and running around, we don't even realize that so much time has passed before we've spent time alone with the Lord in prayer. I think but beneath that for us, it's this. We really think we can do it on our own. So we, don't, we either think we don't need to or we think it doesn't really work. I think also it might have to do a little bit with how we see Jesus, our Heavenly Father also, and just the gospel and how all that works. Empty religion tends to have things in it that you just sort of like, these are check marks. You just got to go, yeah, I did this, I did this, and prayer is one of those things. But a relationship, that's different. Because in a relationship, you want to spend time with that person. You want to build the relationship. I, I recently saw something uh, on, online. I, I thought it was helpful. It was just two, two statements. Empty religion is, I messed up and my dad's going to kill me. The gospel, I messed up. I need to call my dad. How do we see our walk with God? And are we engaging with him in prayer? Uh, I recently heard of an account. There was um, a dad, and uh, he was just talking about how his son, they had a little, little hamster, and, and the hamster had gotten out. I, I think the name of the hamster was like Mr. Nibbles or something. I don't know, Mr. Nibbles. So Mr. Nibbles got out. And... You know, the more time that Mr. Nibbles is out, the more likely is Mr. Nibbles is not nibbling anymore. All right? Like that's... And so, like a week had gone by. 
And, uh, and of course, you know, they're talking about it as a family, and, and their son, probably about, you know, five, six years old, and they're just, oh, man, what are we going to do, Mr. Nibbles? What are we going to do? They were sad. Well, weeks gone up, and he's, he's like, he's talking to his wife. He's like, look, that thing is stuck in one of our heater vents somewhere. It's gone, all right? It's like not coming back. But as they're talking and sitting there and talking, you know, the, the little boy looks at his dad. And of course, they, they were having their prayer time. And he goes, dad, can we pray for Mr. Nibbles? And he's like, sure. <laughs> and he's going, what? You know, my son is convicting me about this. Uh, okay. We'll pray, sure, you know. And so they're, they're there in bed and, you know, nighttime prayers. And Lord, would you please make sure Mr. Nibbles is okay? And he's like, and in that moment, no kidding, there's this little sound on the floor. And the son's like, Mr. Nibbles. And he's like, Lord, thank you for using my son in his faith to teach me about prayer. You know, um, now, sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. That doesn't mean prayer was ineffective because God's doing something in us through that trial. But oftentimes we don't go to God in prayer because we actually think that this Christian life is something else. It's what I can do. It's what I'm on the move to accomplish rather than the grace of God at work by his spirit within each of us each and every day. And we need to trust him and rest in him by prayer. That means we bring our needs. We bring our desires. We bring our hopes. We bring our discouragement. Uh, you know, the Psalms, there's these things called imprecatory Psalms. It's not all clean, mamby-pamby, happy, just cotton candy stuff. No, there's, there's complaint before God. There's, there's grief. I met with someone this week. They were experiencing grief beyond what I've seen in someone's life before. And then they're kind of going... Am I, can I bring that to God? Am I allowed to say that? It's like, yes, bring it to him. Lay your heart before him. It's, it's, the scriptures have the full gamut of human emotion expressed to God in prayer, including I'm mad. I don't understand this. But again, the Lord Jesus is the one who, who rescues in surprising ways. And, and like him, as he seeks the unshakable by prayer, we need to do the same thing. I love how Jesus touches the untouchable. I love how he cleanses the unclean. And I love how he shows us what, what it means to pray. And, and, and just in conclusion for, for today's message, I was thinking about a, a hymn. It's a really old hymn written in 1759. It's called, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. Uh, but it's a version of it that might be a little different, but I just, I'd, I'd like us to sing it together right now. So I'm going to go borrow Matt's guitar. Because he said I could, by the way. I've already arranged this, so don't worry. I'm not, I'm not stealing his guitar. But let's, uh, let's do this hymn together. If you aren't, if you aren't familiar with it... Hey, Matt, it sounds good, dude. It sounds nice. Matt talked to me before he got this. You did good. You did good. All right, anyway. But this, this song um, talks about coming to Jesus in the same way this leper did. 
You know, it says, it says, come ye sinners, poor and needy, bruised and broken by the fall. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. Both. He pities and he has power. In compassion, he touches the leper. And then the refrain is, he is able, he is able, he is willing, doubt no more. And so that'll be at the, the bottom of each, each verse in the refrain. But just, just think about this verse as we're saying. Go ahead and stand. Doubt no more. He 
is able, he is able, he is willing, doubt no more. Lord, we, we ask that by your grace, you would help us to see that you are willing to cleanse, and you do. And so even as we come to you as your people, we we pray that we would rest in the assurance of who you are and what you've accomplished. And we would ask that, that our conscience would not cause us to linger because we're trying to make ourselves fit, because the fitness that you require is that we feel our need of you, that we understand that. And thank you that you are willing and that you do cleanse. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. By God's grace and by his truth, uh, go this week with that assurance in your hearts. If you've come to Jesus by faith, if you've trusted in him, know this, you stand before him cleansed. And if you haven't, today, run to him. Receive that cleansing that he is more than willing to give. And if you'd like to talk more about that, I would love to. There are several people here that would be happy to have that discussion with you. But in the meantime, let's go in his grace with great joy because he is willing and he has cleansed. Amen.